ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking about bloody birthday on Gina and my birthday on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Meadowdale, or actually Glendale, where I grew up. I went to typing class at that high school. It was weird to watch my childhood presented as a death site, ground zero for three young psychopaths. But we'll get into that. Uh, This, uh, of course, is the Kill by Kill podcast where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, and that is the characters. Now, we're going to unpack all the gory details of Bloody Birthday in the hopes that a young psychopath's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person that I trust that if I start making out with a lady in a grave, in an open grave, she will kick some dirt in to alert me to her presence. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? It's our birthday. It's <laughs> our birthday. Well, no. I mean, let's let's be accurate. We're recording yeah. this a little bit less than a week before my birthday and like two weeks before yours. And it will air like a, a month from now. But <laughs> 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 close, but close enough. Yes. I, I just, I just, you know, want everybody to ponder the fact that we are both Leos. Mm-hmm. And somehow not constantly murdering each other for for, for attention. <laughs> very true. Our Leo season is very calm, uh, and of course that is a, a an astrological reference, which will come into play in this movie all the time for no reason. It, I mean, I, I don't. I have no idea if it's. It, it just sounds like someone's completely talking out of their ass with this. With this. Uh, <laughs> you know, this theory of if you if you have if Saturn is blocked. On the day you're born, you'll have no empathy. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, I don't know. I never heard that before. <laughs> and you're all gaggled together with the with a murder pact. It's it's perfectly <laughs> rational. Now, Gina, I know we're celebrating our birthdays and everything. I don't want to uh scare you, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a very special guest. Uh, she is in charge of the real queen of horror.com. And of course, you can see her on YouTube as well. The one, the only, Zena. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you guys so much for having me. How are you? Wonderful. It's been a long time coming. I'm not great at, at booking guests that I go, oh, she'd be great for this. And then brain starts to leak <laughs> out of my nose when I start to think about uh, asking people on the show. But I'm so very happy that you could join us for this very special motion picture. So Zena. Uh, our little tradition here is we always ask our guests, well, when was the first time you saw Bloody Birthday? It was actually in 2011, randomly. Okay. What a random year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was um, I was going through this thing where I just wanted to watch movies from 1981, okay. you know? So I was sure. just on a quest, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I just finished watching like The Beyond and so I wanted to see, um, it was between watching, you know, Bloody Birthday or like The Burning, right, mm-hmm. as an example. Sure. And um, I've always loved the poster for this one. Yeah. So I, I checked it out and I mean, I was annoyed. I wanted to fight some kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, like oh. I love kids, but this movie really made me want to just like jump in the screen and just start fighting them especially that curtis oh my oh, gosh yeah. oh no. yeah yeah he he's the worst yeah this this movie did not scare me it annoyed me right <laughs> <laughs> it scared the hell out of me because once again this is literally where i grew up the high school is where my mom went to high school i took a typing class there in summer <laughs> school yes i failed typing yes no. i am a professional writer <laughs> So, like, it all worked out, everyone. You can take a summer school course and still be okay in life. Uh, But everywhere they go is a weird flashback. Like, their elementary school is a dead fucking ringer for Fremont Elementary, which is where I went to school. Did you, you know, play in a junkyard often? (laughs) 
oddly enough, I know where that junkyard was because my dad run, ran a recycling business down by the train tracks in Glendale right before it, it butts up into Los Feliz, which is actually Los Feliz, but of course, L.A., full of terrible white people, so we call it Los <laughs> Feliz, and uh, it's a place where junkyards were, so yes, I have played in a junkyard. Yes, I did bike around and maybe try to murder somebody with my <laughs> jump rope. Yes, it's you a did, very you did accurate all, portrayal. You did often just just you know, pull out a replica police revolvers pointed at people. People were just like, "Meh, that's okay." No, 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 no. no. We 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 all did it. We all had replica guns of revolvers, automatics, your Luger SS models. <laughs> I mean, it, it, they were just spilling out of our clothes. This is like one of those movies where, like, you watch it and and because I, where you and I, we're not much younger than than these characters yeah. are. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just you know you watch this and it's like wow. So kids were just allowed to like walk around like in neighborhoods in the dark, just skulking around looking at windows back then, huh? It's a it's like fucking no, we're there's never there's never a time we were allowed to do that. <laughs> Oh, so, no, no, no. I wandered those dumb alleys where the alleys that w would back up to people's garages and where you put your trash cans so they weren't out on the street. That's right. That's how bougie I w grew up. It is. Uh, there were these giant waterway gullies that would take rainwater away. And it is a miracle I wasn't snatched up out of them. I mean, when I read it, I'm like, this makes a lot of sense. That's telling you how weird my life was <laughs> so let's get into this and of course you know as we go please let the weirdness spill out y you won't offend me glendale is full of psychotics so <laughs> full of psychotics and people who just you know <laughs> make a habit of just having sex in graveyards <laughs> you know what <laughs> To me, I just don't understand how or why they thought that that would be a good idea. Why not go in a bush? Why not in the car? Like, I, I would rather see them, like, in the bushes than in, a, like, an actual grave. That was insane. What is the thought process from we might be seen out on in this graveyard? Let's get into an open <laughs> grave to heavy pet. <laughs> like... I'm, I, I don't, the idea of having sex on the beach is like, oh, sand. Ah, ah. Now add dirt that's been seeping in <laughs> dead people juice. No, I'm not sleeping in your, your corpse juice pit. So the one thing that, that seems to be the primary issue in this town is, is that nobody sees anything ever. No, they, they don't see anything. They don't hear gunshots. They have a medical examiner's office that does not know the difference between head injuries from falling down a flight of stairs and head injuries from being beaten to death with a baseball bat. No, they're so you know, similar. A, a, a child is right. allowed to fire into a vehicle in the middle of a neighborhood. Nobody so much as peeks out their windows saying, oh, that's funny. I wonder what that was. Was that gunshots? Probably not, Doris. Let's get back to the Tonight Show or whatever the <laughs> fuck they were watching. My parents never stayed up late, so I wouldn't know. Uh, once again, my parents want, did not want me to stay up late, and that's why they told me I could not sleep in the den because the night stalker would kill me because we lived near and who a knew you, only had, you had to worry about a, a nine-year-old. Yes. A, a smirking nine-year-old. <laughs> a trio of them uh, on top of it, it. Well, I think he's supposed to be like, like, okay, so to make a long story short, these kids are all born the same day. They're born during an eclipse, and apparently this is such a big fucking deal to this town yeah. that that they have their birthday party and like the whole town comes and yeah. they're like minor celebrities and <laughs> and i'm not quite sure why but fine we'll go with it and we find out that because of the the some astrological shit they have <laughs> no empathy no yeah. conscience Nope. They're super smart. Mm, debatable, but okay. And, well, then it establishes that yeah. Curtis is like good with electronics. And also they know how to hot wire a car. <laughs> That's true. He's good with wires. He's good with electricity. And, and also that they're super strong because I don't know that a nine-year-old could garrote an adult. <laughs> it depends on the leverage. I mean, uh, Zena, you, you have... Uh, you know about physics, right? You, you know about, uh, like, you're an engineer with uh, pulleys and weights and whatnot? Uh, I think I 
have a, a good idea. Okay. So uh, one featherweight, probably 75-pound, 10-year-old girl <laughs> probably can choke out a 18-year-old woman of a healthy weight. Uh, let's call it 105, 110. She's not even choking. She's lifting her up. Yeah, she was like lifting her up with some rope. <laughs> <laughs> A, a, ju- a jump rope that's been established. It's, that she just like, kind of just tosses at her father like, eh, what are you going to do about this, dad? <laughs> <laughs> like, which is very weird. You know, yeah. here's the thing that, that that particular scene was kind of weird to me because it's just like, you know, little kids, sometimes they do like to show you just the most random things. Mm-hmm. So say if a kid threw a piece of, you know, jump rope at my feet and it's just, you know, at, you know I'm just sitting there or whatever. And it's just like, okay, obviously I'm, I'm not going to pick it up. I'm like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. And but I realized that he like trusted the little girl. But it's kind of like what Gina was even saying in the beginning, how it's like no one is no one ever hears anything or, or see anything, you know. So it's just kind of like no one saw him getting hit in the head with a shovel repeatedly. Uh, apparently. Yeah, they do a lot of this stuff in broad daylight. They 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 hit him in the head. You know, the, the one kid does see it. We're just kind of nonplussed about this. It's like, oh, there's Timmy. Well, we, that's something we're going to have to deal with later. Yeah. You know, they, they just walk into the teacher's classroom to shoot her. Again, you know, <laughs> you know, his silencer is wrapping his coat around the gun, which that's not a sil- That's not how a silencer works. And it still sounds like a hand cannon went off. Literally like dirty, hairy, loud, this gigantic <laughs> gun, which has zero recoil to it. That's how good his stance is. Yeah, he's like this, like he's like this Yosemite Sam sized gun. He's like nine, and somehow just firing one handed, and like his arms should be flying off. <laughs> he should be he should be flying back into the into the back wall every time he fires this, and he's kind of like it's like in uh, Men in Black when he uses the the noisy cricket. That's what that's what should be happening to him whenever he shoots <laughs> yeah. this gun. This is what happens when you're Jim Henson's Eclipse Babies. You can do whatever your imagination tells yeah, you. You can. So you've got these three kids. You've got Debbie, who's I guess she's kind of the ringleader. She's definitely the brains of the operation. And then you've got Curtis, who seems to be the most like just purely evil one. You, yeah. you know this because he just like he looks at everybody like he's about to tear the wing, tear their wings off. Yes. He's <laughs> and then you've got and then you've got Stephen, who just kind of he's just kind of the the muscle. He doesn't really do much. No. Well, you, you can't rely on him to do anything. At one point, he's put in charge of running a girl over in a tight corridor of a junkyard, and he can't fucking do it. And he's wearing a Jason Part 2 mask. He's wearing a disguise. Curtis is not for some reason. Well, he's doing the 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 brake and the uh, acceleration. Yeah, so I love the I love the nice little the touch that they they know how to drive and hotwire the car, but their feet can't touch the pedals. <laughs> It's like an evil version of that kid who's wearing a trench coat and there's one child on top and one kid who's being the legs. <laughs> Only they're homicidal. I don't I know need what to that point character out for, is. I need to point out for a second that if you are of a, a certain age, you will recognize this kid that plays Curtis because yeah. he was on everything on TV yeah. in the 80s. He was on Silver Spoons. He was on a bunch of other shows. Always never played anything but just an awful little creep in, 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 in everything. And probably most familiar, he played the, the sex pest brother in just one of the guys. Oh yes. My God. I, I, I've the, never the... seen him in a role that he was just not absolutely just awful. <laughs> I mean, what a role to go out on, though, because <laughs> he will forever be that character in my mind. Of course... Uh, longtime listeners will remember that just one of the guys was the reason why my mom canceled HBO. But, uh, but nothing to do with him. Nothing. Well, I, I he was a part of it. Uh, but right up at the end, when she, when when Joyce, uh, I can't remember that actress's last name, uh, opens up her blouse to prove that she's a woman to the man that she's essentially been seducing Shakespeare style as a guy this entire time. Uh, she said, "That's it." And HBO was gone the next day. There's a lot of boobs in this movie. But there's an astonishing amount of boobs in this movie. So I have never used the, uh, my my hand is an airplane and I put a little bit of food on the end of a spoon and somehow this ends up with me fingering you. This is a very infantilizing way to heavy petting 
what happens with these two at the beginning of the movie. Oh, the and playing ambulance? Playing ambulance. Yeah, I never heard of that. That's not sexy. Like no. I don't want I don't want to be seduced by someone saying, Hey, you can't trust my hand, but what if I anthropomorphize my hand into an ambulance? Would that would Oh that, yeah, these kids are perverts too. Let, let's let's <laughs> let's point it out that all of these children, even like Timmy, who's kind of like the good kid. They're just like, like you know, spying on their brother, their, their siblings, and like watching them get naked. And then at one point, like, like T- Debbie invites Timmy to the treehouse, and she's like, "Have you ever played ambulance?" I'm like, "Ew, you guys are nine. <laughs> and you know what's weird is that I've at first I, you know, I thought that Debbie, you know, the ringleader, I thought that she was kind of like the normal one because she kind of had a personality. She kind of had, she could show emotion, you know. But I don't, I know I keep on going back to Curtis, but just everything is wrong with that little boy. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, to me, he just kind of like brought down the group. Like, okay, at first <laughs> when you see them, it's kind of like you wouldn't think that they're like, you know, killers, obviously, because they just look like little kids. But mm-hmm. there's just something about that one right there. You know, even when Debbie acts like the teacher, like, oh, you know, it's our birthday party next Monday. You know, do we have to have homework or whatever? And, you know, the way Curtis was looking at the teacher, like, you knew the she was next and then you know steven you can't always forget about him you know like he's just there for some reason he is the literal third wheel curtis has two expressions murder and smirking (laughs) (laughs) and murder smirking i think it might be the third where it's a combination of murder murders But yeah, with oh, even boy. with Debbie again, like that, I do feel like she's probably like the biggest perv of them all because what she did with her sister. Then she was charging. Yeah. 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 Just a dime. Your sister's just worth a dime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to think about this racket. You have not downtown Julie Brown, the other Julie Brown, uh, straight off the stage of the groundlings. Uh, in a role that requires her to try on three different pairs of pants and three different blouses for the entirety of the movie. She just (laughs) is staring at herself in that one bra, and are these high-waisted pants good-looking with this? No, let me try on another. And that's all Julie Brown does. Like, she gets off one really great line later on when her sheriff dad says, oh, you can't go out tonight. There's a there's a crazy person on the loose. And then he pulls away and she looks at her friend and says, oh, great. Like there's there hasn't been a murder here in 20 years. We finally get one. And my dad's Kojak all of a sudden <laughs> It's like, that's a great line. Like you hire Julie Brown to do that line. But that's that's about it. She's given a, a rather thankless role of taking her top on and off. And then getting an arrow to the eye. Yes. <laughs> And and when and, they they hide her body by putting it outside of her house, yes. I am un- I am unclear. <laughs> it's not so much hiding as it is like why wouldn't you suspect she was killed inside the house? Like she only made it to the garage. It's not past the county line. It's well, right mean, outside it, the house. There's a it, it seems a little kind of last minute, but but there's a suggestion that Debbie's mom does kind of actually know what's going on, but is trying to protect her. Yeah. But that does not excuse the 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 extremely shabby work of the police department. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who, who just finds these bodies just, yep, yeah, well, case closed, go ahead and bury them. Well, the problem is is that uh Debbie's dad was the police department. And shows up at school in the worst sort of presentation to an elementary school class I've ever seen. Hey, kids, you know what murder is? (laughs) If you're thinking that Gene is exaggerating, no, that is exactly how it is presented. And, And then Debbie's like, yeah, we know what murder is. It's when someone gets killed, like on television. He's like, not like it's on television. This is for real. That's his own daughter. That he's talking to like that. So he maybe he's always known too? I don't know. It's it's really loose. The only ones who don't know for sure are everyone else in town. Even though these kids are very obviously bad. Like yeah, they're they're, they're unwell. Good. And for some reason, like like everybody just thinks that they're the living end because of this, you know, the absolute uncontrollable circumstances of when they were born. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I also really liked it that the teacher uh, has this whole preamble, like the bell is not uh, does not dismiss you. I dismiss you. And so she stares at them like a drill sergeant. And then she says, dismissed. There's an actual S on in front of missed. Dismissed. <laughs> like we can we can afford another take. Like just keep rolling the camera and keep saying dismissed until you hit the M on the front of that. But yeah, I, I need to go back. To, I need to go back to this shabby investigative work. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> because it, it really does sort of you know create enormous plot holes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like so, we show so Debbie somehow with with crack aiming. Manages to aim this arrow through like this quarter size hole, yeah. and and also knows to kind of lure her sister closer, so she'll you know, be able to put her face right up. Also, she has not covered this peat hole yet, which is which is amazing no. to me. Like no, she's, she's she's alerted she, by her fr- by her friend, which is Timmy's and everybody thinks sister. this is funny that these that these kids have been peeping yeah, on her getting naked. Everybody's like, oh, you these little perverts. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> like no that's not funny and you should seems be, to be like, an agreement that maybe everyone was going to see her naked eventually so why not start young I'm you not should, really you sure should immediately be filling that hole with newspaper and spackling over it but no she <laughs> leaves it open or just like close your closet door yeah yes. you, could, you could also do that <laughs> and and so she's on the floor she's just blood all over the carpet Debbie's like, oh, it's nail polish. Oh, and, my gosh. And I'm thinking, like, okay, so they just dragged her body outside of the house. So it would seem to me that the cops would look in the house at some point when investigating this murder and perhaps say, what ho? There's a red spot on this carpet. But no, <laughs> it's never actually, there's no, like, you know, they show her body and literally it jumps cuts to her funeral. They bury her literally the next day. Yeah, it's we like, don't know how the cops perceived, you know, if they, you know, if they chalked up to this crazed killer on the loose. We don't even know if they even figured out what killed her. But <laughs> but we know that, you know, still nobody suspects that it might be this, you know, weird kid in the house. No, without without the sheriff in charge, apparently no one can figure this out. And almost everyone is involved. At one point, the sheriff's deputy, who sounds like he came from Hicksville, like straight out of the Dukes of Hazard, this guy. Yeah, he does have like a mystery Southern accent, doesn't he? <laughs> well, what's going on? <laughs> Calm down. We'll go down there and see. Just get in the car. Like, what? Why are you from? You know, some sort of backwater from Mississippi. All of a sudden, this is Glendale. the The backwater is Eagle Rock, and in Eagle Rock now, houses are over a million dollars. So this guy cannot get it together. And at one point he receives a radio call. There are like two things I remembered about this movie from seeing it from my my friend Dennis showed it to me. One is that Julie Brown gets naked in it. And second is a very specific line that is said over the radio to him. Oh, this person called and there's a psycho on the loose lurking. So someone has identified a a psycho by sight. And two, determined that psycho is lurking. <laughs> and then he's given a number of messages. His wife, you found a psycho. Two, the secretary, a psycho was spotted. Three, the mayor, we got a motherfucking uh, expletive deleted suspect. So the mayor is in on this investigation. The only one missing is, I don't know, a couple teen detectives. We need some Hardy Boys. We need a Nancy Drew on the case here. Yeah, it's like they have, there's a lot of suspects, none of them the ones that are you know, killing people in broad daylight or attempting to kill them in broad daylight. Also, I really want to talk to the Foley artist who worked on this movie because his idea of a shovel and a bat hitting a human skull sounds like someone pounding a sandbag with their fist. <laughs> This a, a skull has bones in it, everyone. When you hit it really hard, it gives a like a book. And here's like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not a foliars. Again, it should not sound like Rocky training with a side of beef. It should sound like a bat hitting something hard. And also bats around and stairs have little points on them at the end. That's how you can tell the difference between those head injuries. 
I am not Quincy. <laughs> well, nobody, nobody is in this movie. No. Also, Quincy was an old-timey medical examiner mystery, everyone. Uh, uh, all of our references are 30 years too old. <laughs> when I say our, I mean mine. I mean, I mentioned I mentioned the kid from like you know that was in Silver Spoons. <laughs> uh, again, everyone should listen to this show with a Wikipedia article open. Zena, how often have you been? Have you seen someone, a, a child, decorating their own cake with a bottle <laughs> of ant poison in their hand? <laughs> Never. I actually, I really like that scene. Mm-hmm. because it did not go exactly how I thought it was going to go. I personally would have snatched it from him and yes. just would have told him off there when his parents weren't around, Yeah, you know, and then sent him outside. And then I'd probably just tell his mom, but it went in a different direction because obviously he, he didn't add any of the poison to it, but he wanted people to feel like, Oh, she's a, she's a, you know, a loony bin. They're not going to believe her. Which is so insane because she's the adult, but whatever, you know? <laughs> or at least cl- the closest thing to it. But he's also <laughs> holding a fucking bottle of ant poison. What else would you think? Right. And what would his be excuse? I was only holding the bottle of ant poison near the cake I was unnecessarily over decorating. Like, it's all fucking weird. It's not a great plan. Curtis is not the thinker of the group. And it also... People are like, well, that's odd. And then they continue on with the party. It doesn't, no one thinks of any less of her from that moment on. And they all continue to eat cake too. Yeah, well, it's great cake. You got to <laughs> Listen, she makes fantastic chocolate cake. That's, <laughs> we all know this. We might not like it, but we all appreciate it. When you get a slice, you dig in whether or not there's ant poison added to it. There's so many people at that party, Gina. It's like they're state senators. It's like they appropriate the, the the local uh you know budgetary concerns you have people from city hall you have just the local doctor the doctor who 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 helped them who was there when they were born believe like jose ferrer <laughs> in a in a role that screams i'm here for the money i'll take his, it in cash his, his total screen time is about three and a half minutes Yes. I don't think he even gets, does he even get any dialogue at that party scene? He's just there. No, he does. He's like, oh, they're great. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody seems to love these kids. I find nothing lovable about them in the slightest. No. And and, and again, I mean, I, I like kids. I get along well with kids. But I mean, you know, Curtis from, from, from Jump Street looks like someone you, you'd see, like, you know, torturing a dog. <laughs> He's just, he's just like, he's just, you know, malevolence comes out of his pores. He is like the American psycho version of Alex P. Keaton. And, you know, and, 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 and Seba just looks like a thug and, 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 and Debbie just, you know, her, her smile, she looks like, you know, that really insincere used car salesman smile. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know why people think these kids are great. Debbie has a real, I'm a bully on, uh, Little House on the Prairie energy to her. <laughs> yes. Like yes, she, she does. Like I poisoned your pig before the, the town fair or whatever the fuck <laughs> happened on that show. I mean, clearly she's supposed to be kind of a, a, a throwback to um, the bad seed. Yes. Yeah, you know, with the little the little blonde hair, the kind mm. of unnecessarily, you know, froofy outfits. And, you know, she's always got the little high, you know, Victorian collars and all. I mean, that's definitely supposed to be a, a you know, sort, sort of a, a reminder of that. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like you know uh, that's another movie where, as good as it was, you're 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 like screaming at the screen. Why can't you people tell how fucked up these kids are? <laughs> and half the shit they do is in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. They literally try to strangle a child to death in someone's yard <laughs> with holes. <laughs> and you know, going to the great, uh, not the graveyard scene, but the junkyard scene. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of just feel really bad for Timmy. Because he was stuck in that refrigerator, you know, after Curtis, once again, just being evil. And he tells his sister and she doesn't believe him. Right. So obviously she did have to learn for herself. But this is just this joy for me. Like one of the greatest scenes in this movie. It's when Timmy decides to punch Curtis over and over again. And while (laughs) pretending to be a chicken, I, I was like really rooting him on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Because I don't feel like anyone's really telling, you know, telling that little kid off. 
Maybe that's why he's acting like that. Well, it's because uh, he's missing something. Well, that, that too. Was, but yeah. I, I would think that if he would get like, you know, a couple of punches, you know, maybe that could help. I don't know. No, it couldn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, if he, if anyone deserves a lot of walloping, it is Curtis. But just before that, they murder a teacher inside the school with a gun that nobody hears. And then just in a some sort of ruse to distract from this, does he allow Timmy to punch him in the face so that he gets the sympathy? Or is that just a happy accident? Because there's no way he planned it. Curtis is not a great planner. I think that that was a happy accident. <laughs> but that refrigerator sequence I like because Timmy is allowed to MacGyver his way out of it because apparently he has a utility belt underneath his armpit. He's got a flashlight. He's got... <laughs> The right amount of change to unscrew a Slim Jim to get him out of that refrigerator. It's a, a real MacGyver-esque sequence. Um, and <laughs> yeah, All these kids are like super like, you know, super innovative. Yes, <laughs> they're ahead of their time. Uh, I also, also enjoyed uh, the appearance of TV's Joe Penny. Playing a teacher who would like to take his student out oh for a coke gosh. and talk about stuff. You know, I was just going to bring do. that up. I'm sorry. I was just <laughs> going to bring that up. It was just so inappropriate. Like he was really yes. interested in what she was. I don't really think he was, but I remember she, um, De what Debbie told him like this whole story. Um, is it Debbie Joyce or was Joyce? The, Joyce was the, uh, the older, Debbie's the little girl. Okay, Joyce. So when she was telling uh, the teacher that whole story about how, you know, the president and, you know, they all died after, you know, after being elected, you know, because of the horoscope, something, I don't know. And then his reply was just, oh, yeah, I hope you definitely include that in your article. It's like you, you were not listening to her. He was just trying to get her back to his house. And it was just like, where, where's her mom? I mean, I know their parents are on vacation, but it's just like, why are you there? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm glad they they uh, did not take that that weird subplot any further than it needed to go. Yes, although See. if I'm fingers crossed that Donald Trump was elected during this conjunction <laughs> of the planets, because I would love for that to happen any day now. Just have that happen. That would be neat and super. Uh, <laughs> hi, Secret Service. Uh, these are wishes and dreams. <laughs> I I did think uh, it's weird that the dad. Uh, I'm like, at one point, it, they Joyce holds up a fo family photograph. And I'm like, where have I seen that dad before? And it's William Boyette from The Hidden. He's the first guy who has the alien in him. And I'm like, why cast a guy like that? And then they dub. The, that's not his voice on the phone. It no. sounds like someone in witness protection. I was like, <laughs> how are you, Joyce? Are you doing well? Where is Timmy? Like, who is this guy? This, I, you, you, you cast a guy who's been in movies. Like, why? What bet did you lose? But why is Jose Ferrer, Patrick? I, I believe that Jose Ferrer was paid in cash. And so <laughs> he showed up. He's like, do I have to say a lot? Do I get a piece of cake? And they said, yes. And he's like, all right, I'll be there on Tuesday. <laughs> I'll just drive up. I'll just I'll just take the five up to the one thirty four, and I'll be there. And then he was. That's I think I think he had a house payment due, and he said yes. But there's no point to Jose Ferrer having that role. He just, it just. Uh, I mean, don't you feel like that at some point, like the doctor was going to be like the figures out that the kids are actually evil? Yes, yes, like he's always known. Or he's in cahoots with the mom, or like there's something there. Otherwise, why cast Jose Ferrer? But like this movie has a bunch of little like tidbits that it tries to throw out. Like the idea that they're going to frame Timmy is kept up for all of 10 minutes. And they're like, fuck it. I don't care. Let's just shoot some people. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of forethought to it. Yeah, initially, initially, they're they're the people they choose to kill seem to be kind of yes. deliberate. After a while, like yeah, you know, let's just kill these boys, make it out in their van. It's been a day. Time for some killing. Like, right. <laughs> and then even just, with the teacher, like I'm sure that that's not the first time that she did something that they didn't like. 
you know, with them having homework on their birthday. So right. why now? Well, this brings up a point that Gina brought up to me just in our in our chat before uh, the, the, the recording began. Is, is this 10th birthday some sort of symbolic beginning of them? Like, they've always been weird, but they've never actively killed people until this bloody birthday. Or... Have they always been killing people? And the movie just takes it up at the 10th birthday party because that's when finally somebody begins to notice. Hmm. I I don't have the answer. I open up the question to the group because the film is not interested in answering that question, only posing question after question after question. I was going to say that, um, Patrick, you suggested that you thought they'd, they'd always been killing because parents are mysteriously not in the picture. Yeah, they disappeared. Dis- yeah. So, I mean, that, that, I mean, that sounds as good as any, anything to me. I mean, the, the idea that, I mean, what is so significant about their 10th birthday that it would trigger some sort of murder wire? I'm not really <laughs> sure. But, I mean, you definitely get the idea from the, when you meet them, there's something super duper off about them. Yes. Like, I, I agree. I think that they're, um... Like, at first, I was just thinking that maybe they were doing things. They've always been doing little things here and there. Maybe not the not the killing or anything like that. But, you know, they've always been scheming and stuff like that. But like you said, I do think that there was something special about this particular birthday. Uh, it's like their coming out party or something like that. But it, it doesn't. Uh, man, I, I wish there was some clue given to us about exactly what it all means. But. We're not. Um, and we have to address Stephen uh, again. Stephen is fucking useless. Now, if we're Gina, let's say you and Zena are in a bloody birthday pact, right? You, We were all born on the same day in the same hospital when the eclipse was happening. Just as the eclipse is happening, uh, both a nurse and a doctor look with bare eyes at the eclipse (laughs) and then go in to help patients because that's a thing you do. And after a while, we all grow up together. We all notice that the part of our personality is missing that says, don't murder people. (laughs) But you and Xena are constantly murdering people successfully. Meanwhile, I am measuring my head for a sack and cutting out eye holes <laughs> you're holding a knife you're holding a knife the wrong way yeah just like this he's he's not up to snuff so if if this was our peg and you two saw me doing this like outside of like well maybe we could blame it on steven one day like he's a great patsy we should keep him around for that <laughs> That's the only reason, because he's not pulling his murder weight here. But wait, he barely has any dialogue. But in his defense, he did try to take the gun one time from Curtis. And Curtis was just like, no, like he, he, I got it. You know, it's just like, (laughs) okay. And then, you know, I knew that he just wasn't fit for the group when Joyce, she had like the fishbowl. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was going to, like, break it over his head, but she yes. just threw the water at him. I mean, <laughs> I would have broke that over his head. But and he's just, like, just kind of, he's just stunned. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like a witch. He's like, am I, am I supposed to melt into the ground? How dare you? There is a fish in there. Are you heartless? But, it, it, of course, it is debatable whether or not that fish is actually living. Because... <laughs> Julie Brown does poke at it at one point after feeding it. It's like, hello? Hello? And it's kind of implied that fish might be dead. And no so, one thought to get rid of it? <laughs> okay. She has a very busy trying on clothes schedule. Zena? I was going to say, she's a hot date at the drive-in. She has no time to, to dump her, out her fishbowl. And yeah. you know, I'm sorry, but I have no idea why Joyce and Beverly, you know, why they were even friends. What do they have in common? Uh, because with Beverly, you know, when she did find out, like we, we were joking around about this, but think about it. Once she found out that her little sister's little friends, they were paying, you know, money to see her dance with a boa, you know, in her room um, and try on different pants. Yeah. And each outfit was terrible. I'm sorry. But <laughs> she, she still didn't mind. Then all, you know, 
her her dad, you know, something happened with her dad, like he's no longer living and she just has her boyfriend over. And it's just like, why don't, I don't know. Why don't you check on your sister, your mom? I, I don't know. It was just weird. Listen, she's got to catch some dick. She just wants to feel something. <laughs> well, then she finds I, this, like, this Murrat book that Debbie's keeping, which is hilarious. Oh. Yes. She, she's sort of... A portable evidence dungeon she's walking around with. Yeah, she she has her little... Not only does she put, scrap, put newspaper clippings about people she has killed... She also puts scraps of paper about the people she's going to kill. Which is like, it's a mood board of murder. And and like when when the sister when Beverly finds it, she's kind of more annoyed than anything else. I mean, I would be a little bit like, I'm gonna get the fuck out of this house. <laughs> like that. It's time I'm to gonna, I'm gonna take this with me. Yeah. I'm going to pack a bag. <laughs> I certainly am not going to continue changing clothes very slowly in front of a mirror. Next to that open hole that my murderous sister happens to hold all of her bows and arrows in. Like, oh my god. Because we were definitely giving actual real bows and arrows to a nine-year-old. Oh, uh, in addition to gun replicas, I had a lot of arrows. I was an <laughs> Eagle Scout, Gina. This was this was life in Glendale. Yeah, so very, very permissive era. Yeah, this scrap this scrapbook is is this it cracks me up. Like where where would you even get an idea to keep to keep she's like John Doe and seven <laughs> Yeah, I'm I I'm wondering if a lot of movies took inspiration from this. At one point, um not Debbie, uh uh the other one, um Lori. Which one? Joyce. Joyce. Joyce wears a floral outfit that is a dead fucking ringer for what Eleven wears in season three of uh, of, of Stranger Things. <laughs> it is a dead ringer. It's crazy that anyone has watched Bloody Birthday and go, you know what? I want to tune in the fashion sense here because Xena is right. The outfits that Debbie tries on are fucking insane. At one point, she matches hot pink and yellow i was so mad <laughs> you should be like, we should all be yeah it's like one of those movies where like the 18 year old characters all look like 35 how much older is joyce's boyfriend than her like we get we are told early on that he's in college but like in like medical school how much he's 15 years older than her <laughs> Meanwhile, while they're doing this, uh, Curtis is out on the loose, and he's, he has a he has that gun with him, and he's gonna just shoot them through the window. This gun, it come This gun is like it looks. It looks like something your seventy Sam would carry. It's it's the size of the gun that the the Sergeant Sledgehammer in the Sledgehammer uh, series had. It's <laughs> so fucking huge. It it's it's more. It's bigger than the size of his head. It's ridiculous. And then when he... He just popping off with a one-handed. <laughs> yeah. No, if he did that one-handed, it would literally, like, take his arm off flying the other way. At one point, he's outside of their window. Like, I'm just going to shoot them through this window. And then uh, uh, headlights uh, come on from the, the car, from the driveway across the street. And he's in, like, profile. And he just turns like he's Bond. Curtis Bond. <laughs> I realize there's a psychopath in the loose, but we're going to let this kid go around and continue peeping in people's windows. Climbing out of his own window, too. <laughs> uh, not only that, like, mere moments after he's basically been shown to be hunting humans out in the middle of the night in Glendale, he happens upon a blue, not-quite-so-boogie van. Just a blue van. Turns out, it's full of teenagers and i'm gonna put that one in dick fingers who just want to get naked and do it on some sort of folded piece of foam oh my god even though there's a psychopath in the loose <laughs> no they don't care because they they like the audience hear that saxophone and that means it's time to get busy i won't say that they come to climax it's more like a resigned completion <laughs> There's a lot of buildup to this. And then it cuts away to Curtis, like, creeping up on him. 
And then he's just lying on top of her like a sack of potatoes. Like I'm spent. This is like the most unobservant town you've ever no. you've ever encountered. I've ever encountered any movie. And then he just opens the back door and clips him off, fucking son of Sam style. Well, it's like a revolver, right? That would be like once again, like someone setting off fireworks outside of your house. Yeah. No, you would check. Honestly, someone would turn on a porch light at the very least. And the fact... Hey, I saw a child running away. Maybe you want to look into that. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> I mean, did you remember, Patrick, when we when we, when we we did Mikey and like the mom just sat there and, wait, and patiently waited for him to come up to her and hit her with the hammer? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, mean, I realize that, that, that like nobody wants to hurt a child, but... But Mikey wasn't walking around with a fucking hand cannon uh, all the time. Like once you see a child, once you see anyone with a that large of a revolver in your hand like you're gonna do you're either gonna run towards him or run away but you're not just gonna go ooh, how's this gonna go down like you you make a move you're not gonna be all crouching and like no no please no like i kind of thought that joyce would have went after curtis when he ran out of bullets yes no she let her little brother run so (laughs) (laughs) listen the little brother acquits himself it's justice. If if Joyce takes it out on Curtis, it's gonna seem like she's ganging up on him. But but Timmy is is you know it's it's a mano a mano type of fight. True. <laughs> I really wish that more more kid movies had the had the uh, you know the guts to have the 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 good son ending where she just drops him off the side of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this movie a spoiler alert for Bloody Birthday. This movie doesn't kill any of those three kids. Two of them are hauled off to jail. And, and it even actually kind of sets up the possibility of a sequel, which is like, fuck you, movie. Oh, man. <laughs> because, again, in broad daylight, Debbie's still killing. Yes. Well, she's out on the loose because apparently mom uh, had a little visit to a psychiatric hospital, as one does, and then comes back and immediately that kid is like, oh, um... Curtis and Steven did some terrible things and they're going to blame me. Oh, I love I love when the I love when the mom's like, what? And she's like, well, um, and then like that's it. We, we never actually hear what she said. <laughs> she saw she the cops up. coming and she knew to get out of there and give her daughter a brand new name and a brand new life. Yep. They're they're just on the loose. They're into the wind. And of course, with that police force, I mean, we have talked about how bad the Elm Street and Crystal Lake PDs were, but oh wow, this police force takes the fucking cake. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about my favorite character. My favorite character in 1981's Bloody Birthday is the clown at the birthday party. Oh the my. t-shirt that says, oh, that t- I can't say no. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I had to pause it because I was, but I wasn't reading it right. This is everything I want. Like when that showed up, I'm like, oh, it was worth watching for this. Like that character is such a bizarre choice that comes to nothing. It just exists as if this would be something like that would be a clown you hired. If you saw a clown show up in jeans and a t-shirt and goes, I kind of juggle. You wouldn't pay that guy. And yet here he is entertaining the masses. And when I say masses, I mean three kids. And Curtis is like, fuck this. I'm going <laughs> elsewhere. And he's never seen again. And I, I just, I wish he was the main character in the movie. To be, I, I, I just want to see him at another party where he's wearing a shirt that says FBI, Federal Boob Inspector. <laughs> I mean, the 80s, it was just such a weird time. I just don't know who thought that that was a good idea. Like, you know, like, yeah, put put this shirt on him, you know? It's, it's just like, it's like the director's cousin. It's like, it's like somehow we got to get this guy a SAG card. It, it's the only reason to have this little bit of detritus because the movie spends a lot of time promising murder. And when the murders happen, like... They're rather brutal, uh, if not bloodless, which is strange for a movie called Bloody Birthday. But they are kind of brutal, like shooting a teacher in the back on school grounds and just, 
you know, garroting a woman, you know, in an open grave. Like, these are grisly fucking deaths. And yet, a lot of time is just spent watching these kids in a kind of lame treehouse, you know, planning, doing decoupage or whatever the hell she's doing with newspaper clippings. It, there's a lot of empty space in this in this motion picture. I just I'm, I'm curious as to what the the end game for Dijon is. Yeah, I mean, unlike other movies where we've wondered, like, you know, how does this equal money, or how do they like plan to get away? I just don't know that they are planning to get away with it, other than the fact that no one will suspect a child, and that's as far as they've taken it. Well, I think that in a way, like, okay. This movie, I do not think that you should take it seriously, obviously, at all. But in a way, I kind of feel like it is kind of like an essential slasher movie. Because compared to some other slasher movies that we've seen, this is not that far-fetched. Especially even when it comes with the with the kills. The kills are pretty brutal. And even when I think about it, I think that they had like a cool concept. I just don't feel like they thought about the whole picture because there are a lot of like you know, plot holes, a lot of things don't make a lot of sense. Like, obviously, they, they probably were inspired by like the bad seed, perhaps even the brood, even though I know that those weren't like little children, you know. Um, so it's like, I, I see where they were trying to go. It's just, for me, I think that I was getting so distracted with the little things that, you know, where they weren't that less little as far as it goes with like, with the with the police officers, as an example. For some reason, they just couldn't solve the case. It, it would be one thing if, if like Halloween, it all happened on one night and they're just in a scramble like, oh, there's a dead body on this side of town and there's another dead body on that side of town. And they're like, we're a small town, you know, police unit. We, we don't have enough people to cover all of this. And it, it sort of explains why everyone isn't swarming the streets. But this almost feels like it takes place over the course of... 10 to 15 days. <laughs> it just keeps going. Well, well, also the problem is, for me at least, is is I think it would have been more effective if these kids could kind of turn it off and on. If they could act like normal kids for a little while. Right. And then you realize that that's all a ruse. But again, they come into this frame just, just oozing malevolence. Like, there's <laughs> this, I, I don't understand why, why, you know, when like when, when Curtis does his little you know his little speech in class it's just he's so phony and and you know i i almost cheer for the kid that that threw a spitball at him because you you go kid because he's so <laughs> he's so full of shit and and that not even trying to yeah. to make it seem like you know you know these kids are capable of even faking being normal for a little while i mean the wild parts of it are pretty wild but I I do think like you find your mind drifting a little bit. It just for a movie that's under ninety minutes, I think you could still cut twenty minutes. I think so too. It would be great at seventy six minutes. Um. So uh, bef right. I I just I think they they like all of us like they saw. Uh, Halloween. They saw Phantasm and they saw Friday the Thirteenth, and they're like, and the Omen. The Omen's a yeah. big one too, with mm -hmm. like the significance of the birthday and oh, all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it like we can't make it demonic? What's the other thing? All right, people talk about astrology, so we'll weave that in, and just make, make Joyce some sort of astrological expert who also wants to be a journalist which means not going to college, which her boyfriend takes really well. He was so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, of course, before we bid adieu to Bloody Birthday, we must play America's least known about game show. It's Choose Your Own Death Venture, where of the, the deaths presented in this motion picture... If you were forced to die in one of those ways, which one would you choose... And why? Up for bid, we have shovel to face several times, strangulation in an open grave, bat to the skull, shot in the back while preparing paint, <laughs> gun down in a very unsexy van after sex, arrow through the eye, and of course, 
the one that is given the least uh, play is Crushed by Truck, uh, which Debbie does at the very end. Um, so, uh, Zena, as our guest, I turn to you for your answer first. Um, I think I'm going to go with, you know, a bullet to the back while cleaning paint, okay. paint brushes, mm-hmm. because I would be more upset if I saw who, like, at least she didn't see. Right. I know that she knew that he was there, but I imagine like the last person that you see while you're dying yes. is Curtis. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, that is very valid. That's where I'm at. Yeah. No, no. I, I get it. I totally, totally get it. I, I, I think that's valid. Although... You will die with a lot of that goopy uh, elementary school paint on your hands. So you won't be able to wash that off. Uh, That's okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Gina, what say you? Um, I, you know, we, we see, we see arrow based death so rarely. I think, I think uh, <laughs> if you can count the one in, uh, in Friday 13th part three, that was more, that was more of a harpoon, yeah. wasn't it? No, she yes. did. Uh, no, yes. part four, she got the arrow through the, to the bottom of, um, of the raft. And, and Brenda ends up with a lot of arrows in her in part one. That's true. Uh, That's because true. it kind of it, it's it's implied she was killed out there because Mrs. Voorhees could not take her in a straight up fight. So I, I realize so, that yeah, I realize that I do not have the bang and bod that a, a young Julie Brown had. But, but who among us? Exactly. So, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with with an arrow through the eye. Okay, you are also gonna have to die in yellow paint. Ward worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that makes perfect sense. You know, uh, wow. You know, if I'm thinking, if I was in 1981, Glendale, what's the way I really want to go out? And it's not glamorous. I want to finally have had had sex in Glendale in a van. Um, And then I could go. I mean, yes, I'm going to see Curtis coming, but I will have died knowing Finally, I had sex, and there's proof. It's in that movie camera over there. It's worth it. Even on that little foam thing? Yes, even on that foam thing. <laughs> oh, listen, Zena, there's not a lot of glamorous places to have sex in 1980s Glendale. I, I'm an expert on this because I failed to do it so very often. Uh, it's, it certainly was not happening in 1981. Um but, uh, you know, you got to take it where you can get it. And if it's in the hills above Glendale High School, that's where it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm lost in thought. All right. Uh, before we go, uh, Zena, why don't you tell our audience where they can catch you and uh, what you're up to, and where they can find you, uh, you know, and along the social medias. Well, thank you guys again for having me. Thank you. You're and hilarious. You're you made me laugh. I'm, I'm glad that you guys understand my feelings with this movie. <laughs> we have that that spoken, like unspoken type of bond. It just, it was great. We're simpatico. <laughs> yes. Uh, but you guys can find me um, at realqueenofhorror.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm also on Twitter. I'm always lurking on Twitter. Um, my handle's lovely Zena. I, I created it a long time ago. I don't know what was going on back then so i just kind of just you were kept feeling it. lovely and, and <laughs> you're not lying so there you go i appreciate it yeah i don't know i, I was I, thinking about changing it but then it's like to what you know <laughs> so forget it and then also you guys can also find me on youtube um just real queen of horror uh basically on youtube i kind of just talk about different like uh top four top five type of um horror videos it could be about nightclubs it could be about uh slashers just you know whatever you know makes me happy that day no i think you would make gina very happy with your rundown of nightclubs because you you talk a lot about fright night yes uh, there are very few horror movies that contain sexy sweaters in nightclubs (laughs) in a dancing situation which is goddamn right you would think would be very hot but of course when you're the undead it doesn't matter um, I recommend your channel highly. It's fantastic, especially for horror content. Um, I'm so happy that your voice is out there and I think you do a fantastic job. Uh, everyone should definitely be checking it out. Thank you. 
uh, you're very welcome. Keep keep it up because I love to watch. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I am a writer at theschool.net where we um, we do a lot of TV and horror review, uh, TV and movie reviews. Actually, I'm doing a lot of horror. I'm the horror person there. Um, I also have my own website at ginaradcliffe.com and I am on Twitter under porcelain72. Rocked that you're writing about horror. It seems very unlike you. and uh, <laughs> I know. I think it's an idea. Very odd, but okay. Uh, I'm not in charge. Uh, of course, you can find us on Twitter, and we have the Facebook group. Uh, next week, uh, we have the next episode of Dish by Dish. We will be talking about yet another episode of Hannibal from Season 1. Uh, if you want those episodes early, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash kill by kill. Lots of cool stuff happening there, including this month. Uh, the uh, Our episode will be on The Omen um, in preparation for us covering the other two Omen films after it. But you can only catch the 1976 original on Patreon. So that just about does it. Uh, don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. So for myself, for Gina, and for Zena... Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.